Hello and welcome to Frank Fire Friday. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. And we are a very busy place this past week and the week plus to come. Our province is having their chapter meeting where we will be electing a new provincial and other positions of responsibility within our province that will serve the province for the next several years. So it's a lot going on. We are, I think we have 30 brothers that are here all together. So please pray for them. Pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in making these very important selections as we move forward in our province. And this being the today or this weekend, the Feast of the Holy Spirit, or I'm sorry, the Holy Trinity. Uh, we've been certainly praying a lot for the Holy Spirit, but this is the, the solemnity of the Holy Trinity this Sunday, and I'm going to be reflecting on that and offer this prayer to begin, which is a prayer to the Holy Trinity. Glory be to the Father, who by his almighty power and love created me, making me in the image and likeness of God. Glory be to the Son, who by his precious blood delivered me from hell and opened for me the gates of heaven. Glory be to the Holy Spirit, who has sanctified me in the sacrament of baptism and continues to sanctify me by the graces I receive daily from his bounty. Glory to the three persons of the Holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Well, I will post an image on my Facebook page that will facilitate this reflection today. And I'm going to be doing my best to describe it as I begin talking about the Trinity and the importance of the Trinity in our faith life. So if you're not a friend on Facebook, this would be a very easy thing to do. So I'd like you to look up an image and then put me on pause. If you're driving, uh, go ahead and use your cell phone to look up this image while you're driving. I'm kidding. Of course, don't do that. Uh, maybe wait to do it or just listen to it. I'm going to do my best to describe this image that I'm going to be reflecting on as part of this discussion today as well. It's, it's an icon, and it's one of the most famous icons of all. And it dates back to the 15th century. It was done by a Russian, and it's certainly his most famous icon. It's called the Hospitality of Abraham. And in this icon, you see three figures, three angels. It is depicting the scene in the 19th chapter of Genesis when these three angels come to Abraham and Sarah and Abraham and Sarah immediately welcome them. They extend extraordinary hospitality to these three guests. They wash their feet. They provide them food and drink. And then the three guests confirm the promise that God made to them that Sarah will bear a son and their descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Now, if 
for those of you who cannot look up this this image, and I'm I, I'm pretty confident that at some time you've probably seen it. I used to have an, a, a a copy of this icon right outside my office when I was still at St. Tom's at Purdue University, and it depicts these three figures seated at a table, sort of sitting in a half circle, this table's circular, hands extended towards one another, a wine uh, chalice extended one to the other. And it came to be pretty well regarded that what this icon writer, and they're called writers, you know, not artists, that the icon writer was depicting the Trinity in that icon, that they were three angels that were representing our Lord. And they, the Christians look back at Scripture, all of us do, in the light of our experience of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that they have seen uh, this passage from the chapter of, of, of uh, Genesis as pointing to that Nat that, that Trinitarian nature of God. And it's not that there are simply three visitors which create this connection, but because of the hospitality that has been given by Sarah and Abraham and received by these three, it gives us a window into God's nature. So any icon is meant to draw us into the image. There, you know, icons are I saw people create, one time I was in summer in um, in uh, Berkeley and there was an icon writing class going on and you watch how prayerfully they enter into this. This is not like painting a landscape. Everything ab about the writing and creating of an icon is done prayerfully because icons then as part of our own prayer are meant to draw us in to that image. And so in this icon that I'm talking about, the, the, called the hospitality of Abraham, we're to be drawn in to complete that circle that you, that you see there in that image. And the point is that at the very heart of Christian understanding of God, we experience God as the Holy One whose Trinitarian life is the way in which God is present to us. And the way in which we are drawn into relationship with the Father through the Son in the Spirit. Now I'm going to tell you, there's barely a time when I've not preached on the, 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 the solemnity of the Holy Trinity, when I've not read some reflection by another priest that all say, oh, they wish they didn't have to preach about the Trinity because it's too complicated. They'd like to have that Sunday off. Well, I don't think it needs to be complicated. That the, the celebration of Trinity is not a celebration of something abstract or mysterious. The creed, which we pray together every Sunday, helps us speak of the holiness of God, this God who continues to invite us into the life for which we are all made, this life to which we are all called. We are made in the image of God, who renews us and restores us as long as we're open to that and so that we might be saved, that we might live as we are made to live. Salvation is not 
something from a, an angry God, but an invitation into being like God, to enter into a life of constant, joyful hospitality. Being like God is to take God's hospitality and to be God's hospitality. Now, that word hospitality, it sounds so nice, doesn't it? And yet I suspect that every one of us can can remember a dinner or some sort of festivity where our sense of hospitality was stretched. Maybe we think of holidays with family or friends when something happened that erupted into sort of awkward moments or maybe angry moments in the face of differences. I remember several years ago reading more than one article that talked about having the difficult conversation at Thanksgiving dinner when we'd been away for a while. Of course, Thanksgiving always comes just after an election. And so how are, how are people going to navigate these awkward moments when they had to sit next to somebody who maybe they hadn't seen for a while? Some of us probably anticipate the difficulties, and so we have an escape plan with our spouse or our significant other you know, gave some sort of signal, scratched the nose, and they say, okay, let's get, let's get out of here. We wanted to be anywhere but where we were at that moment. It's, of course, it's much more comfortable to be among our own and to be among people that we agree with. The truth is that the hospital of the image of God is often not what we are actually like, is it? Welcoming the other welcoming those who are outside our circle, welcoming the stranger, welcoming those who are especially unwelcome. It can cause us some difficulties. Our friends, our neighbors, sometimes we ourselves become angry. Maybe we become cruel. So to restore that peace and quiet, we've got to cast out, or perhaps we cast out, the stranger. That's not what we're called to do, is it? We reject the hospitalities and we deny hospitalities of up to others when we do that. In a world where justice may seem only for the influential, where judgment is, at least for the outsider, often condemnation rather than restoration, there may be no greater witness to the Trinitarian nature of God than to be a people who are hospitable, to be those folks who welcome one another as God welcomes us, welcoming friends and foes, strangers and the strange, as if they are themselves divine visitors, brothers and sisters invited to eat at God's table. If you are a member of St. Tom's, you may recall several years, actually I did it twice, where I read this welcome statement. And I thought it appropriate to repeat it. Of course, I have a lot of listeners on my podcast who have not heard this statement that I've made, as I said, twice at St. Tom's in a very public way, and I actually reprinted it in the, in the bulletin at least once as, as well. We extend a special welcome to everyone, whether you've been here 50 years, five years, five weeks, or you came in five minutes after Mass started. 
We extend, extend a special welcome to those who are newborn and exercising their lungs for the first time, to those who ought to join the opera, or those who just plain can't sing. You're welcome here if you're not browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. You're welcome here if you're more Protestant than Luther, more Catholic than Mother Teresa, or haven't been in church since little Maria's baptism. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, rich, poor, white, black, Asian, Middle Eastern, or no habling base. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 40 but not grown up yet, and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters, people who stay up too late at night, and even Cubs fans. <laughs> if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or you struggle with organized religion, if you blew off your offering money at the casino, you're welcome here. We welcome those who work or study too hard, can't spell, or came because your parents are in town and wanted to go to church. We offer a special welcome to those who use a prayer need a, could use a prayer right now, had religion shoved down their throat as a kid, or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts, and you. The church is a haven where we struggle with our imperfections. We are only holy, Catholic, and apostolic in our desire for unity in Christ who calls us together. In his spirit who welcomes you today, may we grow in him together. Well, I suspect some of you may remember my reading that. It got a fair amount of reaction. In fact, I got uh, inquiries from up at a diocese up in Michigan to uh, re reprint it. You know, I think it helps in understanding that call to hospitality, that there are ways to understand the Trinity that all of us can grasp, because I think all of us understand love and how it is to be present in our lives and how that love is ultimately expressed in relationships. The most holy Trinity, we celebrate the wonders of the love of God and how that love is present in us is what we celebrate on this feast. It's about the community of love that we invoke in the Trinity. It prepares us for a communal love celebration. Thomas Merton, the great Trappist monk, once said, do things for love and love alone. That's very much like what Augustine, St. Augustine told us, love and do as you please. Yes, we know we are all called to act as Jesus did, to act out of love for one another. But how do we get there? What must we do? Is there anything we can do? Well, that's what this solemnity is about, love and relationship. Our great mission in life is to experience such a love for others that we are compelled to act with love, and not just for our family members and friends and for all the people we agree with, but for everybody that we meet. We hear in Scripture, for if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Mother Teresa did it. St. Francis of Assisi did it. What do we do that stretches us, that compels us to act with love? Well, we need to move ourselves, our families, and friends to a deeper understanding of what it means to be opposed to racism and all the ugly forms it can take to reject indifference to those 
who appropriately expect their governments and us to help them with things that we, at least in this country, we see as inalienable rights, rights to food and housing and a good education, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We need to admit that the protection of life takes as many forms as does evil. We need to protect the first and stamp out the latter. And that is going to take everyone who cares about these issues to act in ways that uphold the long-held teachings and traditions of our Catholic faith. That says a lot about relationship, a lot about the way we are to treat one another in hospitality and charity. And that's the way God expects us to remember this Feast of the Holy Trinity. We can make it a lot more complicated, but we don't need to. The Holy Trinity models that relationship of love that exists for each of us. That love that is to live within each of us. God bless you. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you.